Hello, fellow medicos, and welcome to the Black Box Warning. I'm your host, Noelle Johnson. As a first-year medical student, I've received a revolving door of questions from friends, family, and peers regarding the medical school application. The application process deserves a Black Box Warning, and here we aim to save your sanity by delving into common questions and pitfalls that occur during the medical application process. To be clear, all statements made in this podcast are based on the opinions and experiences of myself and my guests. These opinions and experiences are not official statements or representative of the medical schools, faculty and staff, or institutions we are a part of and interact with during our medical education. Think you want to go to medical school? Buckle your seatbelts, grab some caffeine, and as always, listen to the Black Box Warning. Welcome to our recording for the Black Box Warning today. For our listeners, we'll be talking about the big three, which I'll go over a little bit more about what that means. But overall, it's about how do you make your experiences work with your application. So my guest today is Larry Sudgen, one of my classmates from Wake Forest. So Larry, could you tell us a little bit more about you? Uh, Yeah, so um, I started my medical career late. I was homeless and unemployed at the age of 28 and decided to join the Army. I joined as a medic, uh, and that was kind of where I figured out that I had an aptitude for medicine and that I was actually pretty good at it um, and went up through my career doing that where I started getting further removed from patient contact, which isn't what I wanted. So I decided to pursue a career as a physician so that I could keep hands on the patients. I applied to a um, pre-med program that was sponsored by the DOD and got accepted there and then applied to several medical schools. And here I am now at Wake Forest, just finished up year one and super excited to start year two. That's awesome. And we'll get into a little bit more of Larry's story throughout our conversation. But today we're talking about the big three. So what does that actually mean? The big three in terms of the application process are research, clinical experience, and volunteering. So we're planning to cover in this episode approaches to these three, amounts of each, and how your experiences can fit the application and into these three categories. So Larry, in your opinion, what counts as research, volunteering, or clinical experience? So research, pretty self-explanatory, right? If you actually do research, generally you want something biologically relevant, but the idea is that you can do apply the scientific method to something and publish it in some way or form that you understand how science actually works. Uh, Volunteering is essentially just demonstrating a desire to serve the community. Um, And then clinical experience is whether or not you're actually practicing medicine, trying to get into the field, or if you're shadowing and trying to get a feel for what that is going to be. Yeah, I think all of those are really important. Research in particular There are so many different types of research, but if you can show that you have experience setting up a project, understanding how a project works, even if you're not the lead on a project or you haven't been published, experience is experience. And that's something like I didn't get published before medical school, but I had done my own independent projects. So if you've presented on research or if you've even just worked with professors, you can talk about that as an aspect of research. Volunteering takes many, many different forms. 
But as you mentioned, Larry, a lot of it is you've given back to your community and you can understand what impact you make as one individual. And especially when we band together, there's much more we can do. And then for the clinical experience piece, that can be everything from shadowing to actually having a career in medicine in a different field. So there's so many different objects of that. Um, and that also brings us to our next question of, do you need all three? No, you don't. So I personally have no research experience. Um, and outside of serving in the military, my volunteer experience was very, very minimal right now. Serving in the, volunteer, in the military counts as volunteering because it is a volunteer organization. Um, so that does help. But you don't have to have all three. Does it help? Yes. Is it necessary? No. Yeah. And I think that is something everybody should really take home today is that you don't need all three to get into medical school. And if not all three of them are super important to you, that's okay too. And part of that we'll go over when we talk about the different types of medical schools and mission statement focuses, because each school doesn't weigh them the same either. But for me, I have done all three, um, but I also came straight through from undergraduate knowing I was going to be pre-med from the get-go. So I was in two major research labs, and again, I didn't get published, but I had a lot of experience and designed prototypes in my second lab in an independent project. And then I did a lot of volunteering, personally at Ronald McDonald House, and I worked with a lot of kids in play therapy. And then the clinical experience part for me was mostly shadowing. I did have an internship at an orthopedics practice between my sophomore and junior years. So that was a lot of shadowing, but also working in the office. Um, so if you're a scribe, if you've done business and marketing, there's all types of different clinical experience you can include in these big three. I think that's a really good point on the clinical experience was, you know, it wasn't all just like with the hands-on stuff, but a lot of it in the office too. And that's really important because you need to get the full picture of what a physician does, not just the glory part that you're interested in, right? Because surgeons don't just do surgery. They also have clinic hours. Um, and it's important to experience the full gamut of what the field is so you can make an educated decision. Right. And when I got to my work and activity section with my application, that was something I actually talked about because not only did I get a chance to experience some of the fun stuff and get to take out stitches and staples and see surgeries and go in the hospital, but I also worked on, and this is a little crazy, a music video for the office, worked with the accounting department, which was not quite so exciting. Um, but I got to see how everything worked in a private practice, which you don't always get to see, especially in medical school with academic medicine. So there are tons of different ways to loop in your different experiences. So how much should you get of these three if you choose to do them? So that's the million dollar question, right? How much? And no medical school will ever give you a number. Nope. It, it doesn't exist, right? So as far as research goes, I don't have the experience and I'll let Noel talk about that. Uh, and volunteering, again, like more hours help, but it still comes down to quality over quantity. So what was it you were doing volunteering? Um, did you actually demonstrate a desire to serve the public um, at some altruistic cost to yourself, whether that's through your time, efforts, money, whatever. Um, and then for clinical experience, 
foreshadowing it seems to be like the number somewhere around 80 hours minimum seems to be fairly acceptable but again it's the quality and not just checking the block like i did 80 hours of shadowing right it's like what did you do during the shadowing um because how active you are during that shadowing plays a role in how that physician writes your letter of recommendation and that's what really matters that's what they want to see did this applicant experience the full gamut of what it's like in the physician world to actually know that they want to do this. Right. And that's a good point. And I'll ask you a little bit more because you've had a career related to medicine. So how do you fit that in versus like me who just did shadowing and internships because I didn't get paid. So there is a difference between those two. And how do you talk about the differences? But I definitely on the research side, because I have done that, Um, A lot of people do come into med school with publications, and that's awesome. It's great to have your name out there and that you understand a subject really, really well and are able to delve deep into your project. That part, the digging deep, is what a lot of the application is about because you want to show that you really got your hands dirty, understood the meaning behind a project. That's not to say that it is important if you did a wet lab, for example, which is many a case, for medical applicants, you did a wet lab, you pipetted, and you hated it. That's okay, too, because you learned you didn't want to do wet lab or bench research, and that's all right. But you have to be able to talk about that. So part of using these experiences is the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good, what did you like, what did you learn? The bad, knowing more about yourself or things that you can improve upon, and the ugly about things you never, ever want to do again. So I think for all of those um, experiences, all three, keep that in mind because how to approach things from a meaningful standpoint is way more important than how much time you put in. Not saying that a thousand hours isn't worth something because it definitely is, but the meaning you get out of it is a lot more important. Absolutely. It really is. And it's how active you are during those things, especially when it comes to the shadowing, right? So if you're asking questions and like diligently trying to learn about what the physician's doing while you're doing that, even letting them pimp you for questions, you know, so that you can gauge yourself and your learning that that really matters. And that reflects on how they look at you as a future physician, because they are part of the community that's voting whether or not to let you into med school. Yeah. And that's super important. So personally from research, I decided I was like, let me try um, different types of research. So my first lab I did for a year and that was something I wanted to do. I wanted to stick with something for a while. So my first lab, I worked on microelectrode research with the brain because I wanted to do something I found interesting and mixed with my major. I was biomedical engineering. So my project worked on insertion and looking at um, how the brain responded to injury because the brain does not respond as well as the rest of your body to having injury. Um, But a lot of what I did was pipetting and computer software. So I wasn't as much of a fan with that. Um, And part of that experience, I actually got to work with animals in the research lab. So I talked more about how I learned I liked doing more hands-on stuff and getting to do the more exploratory side rather than a lot of the grunt work, um, which is not the case for everyone. One of my best friends in college loved bench research, and she felt like it was going to be her future, and she's now looking at a PhD. So to each their own, I am not in that group. Um, So I actually moved labs when I was a senior in college, 
And that lab, I worked on prototyping, which was a lot closer to what I found important to myself. Um, so creativity. And I actually got to see my prototype used um, with an amputee by the end of that project. So that was more important for me is seeing the outcome. Um, and I got to talk about that throughout my application. Um, and then with clinical experience, Larry, if you don't mind talking a bit about how your experiences helped your application. Yeah. So obviously having a career in medicine, I was a special operations medic. So for me, when it came to, there's that little block, that's how many hours of clinical experience did you do, right? Like I maxed it out. I put the nine, 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 nine on there because I've literally had that many out. In fact, I had more hours than I could put in there. Um, so for me, having that in there, it came down to the paragraphs with the meaningful experiences to relay how that was important and how that drove my career towards medicine. Um, and it wasn't until I started doing that, that I figured that I wanted to be a physician. And it was a lot of, you know, the quality of what I did too. So what were the specific instances throughout my medical career that made me go, this is what I want to do. And, and part of that, you kind of touched on this too with your research, you know, picking topics that you were interested in or passionate about, right? So that's important too. And even when you're shadowing, you need to feel that out. If you think you want to be an orthosurgeon, go shadow some and try and get in there. I used to think I wanted to be an orthosurgeon. So I scrubbed into every orthosurgery I could. And I realized this is not for me because to me, it was the same thing over and over again. And I'm the kind of person that needs to walk into work going, what am I going to see today? And if I get bored with a job, I'll quit it. So I scrubbed into a bunch of orthosurgeries and went, I will quit this job in three years. So I knew it wasn't for me. Some people love it. My wife, she's an orthopedic scrub tech. She loves ortho. And she keeps going, you know, you're just not doing the right stuff. <laughs> you know, so it, it's important to feel out what you think you want to do and go that route. Um, fortunately for me, my whole career was based in trauma medicine, a lot of point of injury care and things like that. So there was a lot of handing stuff off to the surgeons and then working with the surgeons and scrubbing in and helping them out and things like that. And that was kind of where I figured out that I want to be on the other side of the table now working with the surgeon and having people hand the patients to me. Yeah, I definitely think that is a fabulous point. And it's something we definitely want to cover with the whole meaningful experience phrase is you're learning more about yourself as well as the field you're going to go into. And I think that is paramount to anything you could learn out of shadowing or any medical experience is can you do this for the rest of your career? Because going into medical school, everybody's like, oh, I'm going to be a doctor. But you don't always think about how your lifestyle is going to be affected or can you do this every day? So those are some great points. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to be a doctor is really, really vague, right? That you literally have no clue what you're actually saying because you don't know what kind of doctor. And there's so many fields and so many avenues for you to approach. You, you can't test them all during shadowing, but you can have an idea of what interests you and feel those out. Yeah. So something I'd recommend if you're looking at shadowing and trying to figure out what the heck do I do next Try and shadow a bunch of different fields. And if you think, I want to be a doctor, well, you have everything from family practice to surgery and all different types in between. And even within those two subsets, you have so many different specialties to cover. So some things I looked at, 
I mentioned my internship was in orthopedics. I shadowed people in oral surgery, which actually is a totally different route than medical school, but I shadowed that early and realized I hated teeth. So I moved on from that. Um, I shadowed neurology, I shadowed pediatrics. So I got a whole different gambit of experiences and kind of had a better idea of what I was getting into by the end of it. So definitely try and check out not just one field, but a number if you get the chance. All right. And then one thing we tend to find when we talk about these experiences are cliches. So what are some ways that applicants can avoid cliches going into their application process? So the biggest cliches are probably the, I want to be a doctor to help people. Yep. Right? And it's and it's a lot of just being vague. And kind of one of the things I wrote down here in my notes was, anytime you're about to write a reason down for why you want to be a doctor, ask yourself, why is that significant to three levels? So I want to be a doctor. Why? To help people. Why? Because something in my past made me realize that I can do something to help people. Okay, that's a valid reason, right? So, you, and that's where you need to go. And that's kind of where your meaningful experiences will come in and how you'll shape those. If you can't answer the question why three times, at least three times, then you're being too vague and it's a check the block. And those are very easy to spot on applications and interviews and the committees will see through it. Yeah, that's a great point. And it also brings me to something I've always found is more is not better. Again, it brings us back to that meaningful experience phrase that we keep talking about and seeing because just because you did a thousand hours of volunteering, if you don't understand and learn something about yourself or your community or what you can bring to the table, that was not your best use of those thousand hours. All right, so that brings us to our wrap-up for today. So, Larry, in your experience, what is the most important thing that we talked about today regarding the big three? I would have to say it's been the quality over quantity concept, right? So it's it's they want to see that you did the due diligence to demonstrate that you have a desire to serve, that you can work as a team, because that's really big in medicine as well. Um, and that you've done the due diligence of figuring out if medicine is actually for you by actively pro proactively participating in shadowing or some type of clinical experiences um, and really been active in those things, right? So again, it comes down to what did you do during those things that shaped your drive to medicine? Yeah, and that's a great point. And it's something I found especially going to engineering um, beforehand, I had a bunch of different opportunities going into prototyping, going into consulting, going into all kinds of other research. And I kept going back to medicine. So especially use those experiences. If you know you want to go to medical school, how did all of your other experiences keep pushing you in that direction? And maybe, maybe not away from other things, but help you focus towards medical school. Absolutely. And, and as you look back on your life, even if you, as you look back towards experiences you had before you made the decision that, you know what, I think I want to be a doctor. Uh, you'll see things that you did through your younger years that were directed towards that path kind of. So for me, long before I knew I wanted to be a physician, I actually worked at a um, manufacturing plant for where we made equipment for autistic children. 
And for me, it was doing something with the work of my hands that I knew was helping people in need brought a certain sense of satisfaction to me. Had no clue I wanted to be a physician at the time. But that became a meaningful experience because I knew I had a desire to help people at that point. Thank you, Larry. We really appreciated a lot of your input on this. Welcome to The Break Room. In each episode of the Black Box Warning, I'm going to be asking the guests I've invited to speak a little bit about who they are as people. A lot of times as medical students, we forget and we have to remind ourselves that we're people first and medical students second or third or fourth. So first, Larry, could you tell me an interesting fact about yourself? Yeah. Um, so other than the fact that I'm a 40 year old dude going to medical school, <laughs> um, I actually have a two foot long bearded dragon that I oh, built wow. the six foot terrarium for myself. Sweet. What's the, um, dragon's name? Daenerys. That is perfect. We named her long before Game of Thrones took a turn for the worse. <laughs> yes. I One thing that has happened since we are finishing up a lot of quarantine in most places is I've heard no one has rewatched Game of Thrones due to the ending. So, But I'm glad Daenerys likes her six-foot terranium. It sounds like you did a good job. <laughs> so next, what is your favorite leisure time activity? Oh, man. That, that one is really hard, right? So I really enjoy woodworking. I also okay. enjoy building scale models and I like fishing. So kind of it's whatever kind of strikes my fancy at the time, but it's generally something where I can kind of zone out and kind of put the world away from me and just focus on me and whatever the small task is that I'm doing at, at hand. Yeah, I think decompression is amazing and it's something we all need to work on as people, but especially as high strung medical students, it doesn't hurt to take some time for ourselves. All right. And the quintessential question for any medical student, what are your favorite study tunes? So ironically, I generally don't listen to music very often when I'm studying. Um, every now and then I will if I feel like there's enough background noise that I need to drown it out. Um, and so I will put on the like really chill instrumental study vibes on Spotify. They have like a thousand playlists that you can do uh, for me. I can't do words because then I start focusing on the words and not what I'm studying. Mm -hmm. uh, so I need instrumental where I can just listen to music without anybody talking and focus on the material at hand. I think that's great input for people who are the same because I know you're not the only person who can't have words because it'll be distracting. So I really appreciate your input today. I hope everybody gets a chance to learn more about you and the big three. And I hope they can take a little bit about what you do outside of the classroom and maybe remind themselves to do the same. So thank you. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Thanks for listening to our episode today from the Black Box Warning. I'd like to thank my editor, Valerie Blakely, for her work behind the scenes to make this podcast possible. Feel free to subscribe for updates or send me an email at theblackboxwarning at gmail.com. I'd love to receive questions, topic ideas, and constructive feedback as we build our content library. Also, 
feel free to share with me on how your own medical journey is faring. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and as is always recommended, listen to the Black Box Warning.